Hello and welcome to another episode of Monster Dear Monster. I'm one of your hosts, Dave. And today, as on these off weeks happens, uh, Leonard is here. Hello. Hello. Leonard, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm, 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 <laughs> hey, hey, right? Yeah, it was really convincing, right? I'm, I'm really, I sell it. I sell it so well. I'm a sleepy boy. Um, um, I went to, uh, I was at a, a, a second holiday party, uh, last night, which, um, um, for, for work, um, and, um, uh, funny enough, uh, it was a holiday party that I technically shouldn't have been at. I actually received the invitation by mistake. Um, but you because I received the party, it, I, I, I crashed a, I crashed a very pricey, uh, multi-company party, um, where they rented out a very prominent, uh, Hollywood venue and hired caterers and spent a lot of money. So yes, I was at a party that I absolutely should not have been at, um, simply because of a clerical error. Um, but after enjoying the revelry, I, I came home and did my due diligence. And now I join you, Dave, and you, my, my, uh, uh, you lovely listeners. There's, there's no possessive in, in this exchange because I'm literally just a, a voice, an echo from the past that you're listening to. Of course. How are you, Dave? As are we all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, about probably the same minus the swanky party. I definitely didn't go to a swanky party. Um, I did happen. I did go to the theater. The movie. Oh, theater, yes. It is, and watch a film. It was very good. Mm, Completely unrelated. Uh, however, it was Knives Out, which I do recommend um, listeners. If you have not seen it, do go check it out. If you like murder mysteries and Daniel Craig with a insane accent. It was good. And, 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 um, uh, oh, and doesn't it also can, uh, uh, star, uh, or co-star, um, the, one of the, uh, worst, uh, film travesty, uh, Oscar snubs in recent history, uh, Miss Toni Collette. Um, it, it does indeed. And she does not lose her head in this film. So that was a plus. Well, well, you know what? If 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 there's no uh, if there's no evil witch cult in this film, maybe Academy will decide that she is a good enough actress because that dinner scene totally doesn't prove that she deserves some sort of awards. Uh, and if you're <laughs> uh, you're you're um, um, wondering what what I'm talking about because it sounds like nonsense you should uh, look back in 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 the monster dare monster audio files and and listen to our episode on hereditary uh, uh it's real good it is good uh, and and it's, and it's highly topical as well um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> we're, we're all just shilling for Paimon, okay we need those, yeah, yeah. we need that sweet yeah. money let it rain. Make it rain. Yeah. Dave, what are we talking about today? <laughs> I don't know. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, I know very clearly what we're talking about. We are continuing our delve into the Ligotti verse with Thomas Ligotti's um, "Songs of a Dead Dreamer" uh, and Grim Scribe. Tack on that a little bit because we haven't got to Grim Scribe yet. But uh, it's, it's a if you're not familiar, um, you are you are in fact missing out. So you should go back to the other previous two episodes. Uh, check them out. They are an anthology of tales, and we are covering the Nyctalops trilogy, at least for this episode. Yes. Uh, and and let's not let's also not bury the lead, Dave. We will also be starting our dive into the uh, the the Legati's uh, nonfiction work with. Uh, oh, you 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 can remember the entire title. I I only get the main title and not subtitle. What are we? And what's not the subtitle? The, okay, the whole the whole bit is the conspiracy against the human race. Subtitled a contrivance of horror. Yes. Yep. E- even I had so. to. <laughs> I had to think about it for a second too. It's a. It's a mouthful. Um, but uh, and and filled with no less uh of confounding content, uh, which we had intended to cover in a previous episode. But uh, all things considered, it fits in just as well here. So we will we will get to that uh toward the end of the episode after we have gone through the three tales of the Nyctalops trilogy. Yes. Um, and and as we are wont, the yokai of the week will be absent these segments, um, primarily because I don't feel they fit thematically, but also we are going to run out of yokai if we <laughs> just do them on the weekly at this point. So yokai of the bi-weekly um, is what they will be called instead. Yeah, we we um we've run out of the Gen One yokai. We've caught all of them. Um, still holding on to uh, Master Ball for the ultimate uh, 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 atmospheric ghost light. Um, but uh, <laughs> we will have to we will have to you know. Wait a little and let the the reserves of yokai repopulate the wild wilds um, in the wake of our yokai destruction. So yes, there needs to be some sort of watch for that yokai watch. Anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the many I other things that they are. I, I, I and, and went with it. I I thought that I could uh like try and fit Nino Kune reference in there at some point and then i just i gave up i was like yeah there's no way that i slot smoothly transition that name into the conversation so i'm not gonna try i'm just going to give up you're, you're, well you know you just unsmoothly slipped it in there it's there <laughs> yep <laughs> all right let's get down to brass tacks doesn't fit uh the nyctalops trilogy tale number one yes the the chemist um i have a question mark in that because it has been stylized as the chai mist chai mist chimist 
She missed. I um, I like to I like to believe in like a alternate universe that chimneys are um, a guild of chimney sweeps. <laughs> well, they have that already. I think they sing <laughs> they sing songs as they sweep your chimneys. Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking a guild of chimney sweeps, much like <laughs> the roving rooftop bandits of Mary Poppins. Yes. <laughs> But these would have to be evil because it's the Lagarde verse. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they'll kick those animated penguins instead of dance with them. Or they'll sweep them with their cleaning. Yeah, they implements. They, they, they sweep your riches right out. They sweep your riches right out your home, they do. <laughs> yes. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> we're 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 reel it back into the camera. Yes. Um overall in comparison to what you of course know after reading the other two stories, how did this thematically fare with you? How did you feel upon reading this one? Like I guess I guess the better, better what's the efficacy of the horror within the chemist? Oh man. That is <laughs> laying it on really heavy for me this week. Put me under the spotlight, Dave. I was That's hoping, what I do. I know, but I was hoping that it wouldn't be immediate because I needed an absolute refresher on all three of the stories. <laughs> well, then I will give you a synopsis uh, and one for and one for this is this is for the readers. I mean the listeners. This is for y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a brief synopsis too. of the you're supposed to hide that part. Uh, here is the <laughs> the synopsis of the tales that we've covered because we probably should have done that from the beginning, but we're <laughs> just gonna wing it. As we do. Okay, the Nick Delops trilogy, the the d- d- dark lobe, the dark the night eye. I don't know how to translate Nyctalops because it's an intriguing word with a mental image that it creates, but uh, fits in, I suppose. Um, the, the, these three particular tales are all about mm, night deviances, decadent deviances in the night, dalliances. It's very... Yes. Um, Stop. Very strange goings on in the in the twilight hours. The chemist uh, is a tale of it's not really corrupt transmogrification of the spirit and body. The second tale in the I've hit the wrong button. The second tale in the trilogy is Drink to Me Only with Labyrinthine Eyes, which is a phenomenal title. I'll have really good titles. This is a phenomenal title. Um, yes. This is the... Uh, try to find a, the correct word for this because it's very specific. Um, it's not the dangers. It is the potentialities of mesmerism to commit grievous offenses against the senses 
Yes. To manipulate to, ones. Uh, yes, you're 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 manipulating an audience into something that they claim to want, but ultimately would turn into a horror. Yes, is is the best summation of that. Um, and these are all these summations, of course, are all deliberately vague because we get <laughs> to the heart of them as we. Or want the third tale, the Eye of the Lynx. This is sort of a, it makes a good bookend for this trilogy because uh, it ties into the transformation themes in the first tale, but instead <clears throat> this is a a sublimation. I believe, yes. Of the body and spirit. Um, an incarceration of all that forms a person. Right. Yes. It's, yes, there's a lot of yeah. lot of <laughs> there's a lot a, going a, on, really. And a lot of a lot of agency removal in, in these. Well, in all, all three of these. These are right. these are distressing uh co-optation of body mind spirit and will uh by an outside agency in such a fashion that it would otherwise be um uh unpreventable like that's, yes. the, that's the giant theme. like these are inevitable horrors uh visited right. upon a person or persons um and there's nothing they could do to stop it aside from having never been there in the first place. Right. Which I should have saved that because that's a very great segue <laughs> into <laughs> the themes of the nonfiction work. So we'll we'll just take that and put it in our pocket. Yeah, we'll just repeat it. We'll, we'll just we'll, repeat we'll, it later. We'll come back with it later. I'm not going to remember what it was, but uh, we'll we'll try. So you, dear listener, keep that in mind. Um, because while we will remember the intent of it, the the actual phrasing will have disappeared into the ether. Yes, it's rendered into digital noise that could be recoverable. Because I have every, the power of editing. every yeah every, <laughs> every podcast that you listen to, dear is Esther, dear hmm. listener, dear listener, is is just a conversation between a bunch of ghosts. We are the ghosts in the machine, Leonard. Oh, that movie was bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we are the virtuosity. Oh, that movie was also bad. <laughs> That's because I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. All right, let's the talk chemist. about this the chemist. chemist. Where is he? Bring him. Bring him to the stage. He is our first witness. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, testifier. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, two. Yeah. We don't, Maybe I'll have you. You know what? Maybe we I'll... don't actually want him visiting. <laughs> no. <laughs> about, how about really. he just stays where he's at? I you know what? I need to know where he's at. So we'll just keep yeah, an eye on this. On this. Right. On this fellow. Um I I feel that he he remi- he recalls to me as do a few of these other tales in particular the the the, the frolicker of our very first yeah. Lagadian 
Yeah, tale. there's 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 a, 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 an aspect of madness and 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 forbidden knowledge um, of 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 seeming uh, wrong in in the location that that you exist in. Um, excuse me, which really, if we want to get down to it, seems to be a reoccurring theme in in almost all of the stories that we've covered so far. Um, everyone, every everyone's a weirdo and kind of a POS and 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 feels like they don't belong on this plane of reality. Um, and, and and also seemingly either doesn't want to remain on this plane of reality or wants to take advantage of their place in this in 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 this reality that's that's so far from from the what is this the this trilogy will mark the our uh seventh these will I be believe the so. seventh it's very close um uh stories that we've covered which is the, the people are 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 bad <laughs> People are bad, and and people that can do ex- slightly extraordinary things are seemingly the worst and cannot be trusted. And cannot be stopped. They're just going to do the thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that hits on it. This um, – what reminds me of the, the Frolicker uh, is that this character, while grounded in our reality – uh, or at least tethered in our reality, uh, <clears throat> feels like a, a visitor from yes. some other more horrifying plane of existence uh, bringing gifts. Yes. Gifts and sensibilities. Of, gifts and sensibilities, yes. Uh, uh, very p- specific ones. Uh, <laughs> and joyfully uh imparting these things to to their their well their victims Victims? yeah question mark because yeah it's not a um it's not so clear cut i mean they are they're clear they're clearly victims but they are also something else because ultimately the people that are subject to these visitations are are changed they're rendered other um they are not they don't leave unscathed uh and it's permanent alterations of their form and function yes they they lose humanity right to these and the person to, they to, used to, to be. these yes they're, they're 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 irrevocably altered um generally this is to the point of death they do not survive these these right. these alterations but prior to that everything that made them them uh, has been changed right to horrendous um cosmic effect <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's bad. Um yeah. uh, we should we should mention that uh that uh our 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 
our reader avatar for this story, is named Simon. Because Simon is is a simple nondescript name that people could easily just pick up and use as their own without much it's, pushback. <laughs> yes, and it's it's a um It's a, it's, a, it's a disguise isn't what I want to use there. It is a something that he's put on to himself, it feels. Yes. So it's kind of like a disguise. He's, he's, he's masquerading as Simon the chemist. Yes. Is, is what this feels like. And he, in a, I didn't actually highlight that particular section i don't believe but he he pokes fourth wall fun at that i guess by mm-hmm. by miss or reconstructing um his identity uh taking on a surname that he terms as an as alien as other and you just you want to making a joke of it but uh it, it's sort of the truth also right right <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, and, and I actually really like the, uh, the, the, the little, so, so, so the, 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 the use of, of titling this, the chemist and the spelling, um, always reminds me of the alchemist, uh, uh, Lovecraft's story, the alchemist. Yes. Um, uh, but I, I like, I like the, the, the modern, up, um, the modern update of this because um we don't we don't need alchemist well we, we do but uh we don't have alchemists anymore yeah so what ke- chemical alchemy he's, he's fused that um the idea of what alchemy represents and given it a modern uh equivalent yes by becoming an alcoholic mixologist or or a mixologist, but it does seem to be, you know, mostly alcohol. <laughs> yes, yeah, he works. He works for a, um, I believe it's a pharmaceutical company, or it's a chemical company. They they deal in some unnamed other uh, thing. It's a one of those companies that's such and such laboratories. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, a he, big, it's, it's a big. It's a It's big, expensive. Yeah, he works. He just basically works for Aperture Science. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so it's that sort of thing. He is on a, a dalliance in the lower end of town. Um, yes, at a a bar, um, picking up a young young lady. Yes, of some repute, apparently, because the the local police are familiar with with her and her activities. Um, and this would be Rosemary, yes. which also which, kind of sounds like an alias. And, and I would and, think so. Um, he, right. our, our chemist, plays with this because he he, he twists and I don't think I understood or made the connection with his uh, twisting and changing of her name. So when every time he's uttering her name, it's in it's in jest. I mean, he's mm-hmm. kind of just toying around with it, changing some of the words. 
um, uh, it's it's not a it doesn't feel like he's making fun of it. He's playing. He's playing with the words and the meaning and changing them subtly, subtle little changes uh, as like an experimentation, right? Like teasing out meanings and other forms of of the name that she's chosen to uh, present herself as. Exactly. And ultimately, he takes that 10 steps further, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to that at the end. But, um, yes. Yeah, they're, 10 they're, steps forward yes. and no steps back. <laughs> no steps. Yes. It's 10 steps right off a cliff. Um, <laughs> or a void, as may be more appropriate. Yeah. Uh, yes, they've, they've met in a bar, and he... So, in tradition of the earlier narratives that Ligotti has presented to us. Um, he, Ligotti, the author, ha, uh, has a penchant for changing up um, the tense of the presentation for the, the point of view, I guess, is what I wanted mm-hmm. for these novels. This is narrated completely in the first person um but we only we literally only have our narrator's voice it's it's omitting any outside voice outs, outside of the um acknowledgement and transmission that the narrator is doing right. so i guess an example of this would be if he's he's speaking to someone we don't see any other dialogue, but we get his responses, and ha- you have to recontextualize all of the story, um, and kind of you're guessing at what other people are saying to him. But there's enough circumstantial evidence to fill in the blanks, as it were. Right, exactly. Uh, and that that sense of control and the agency that no other characters have because the narrator has taken full control of the tale. You don't get uh, as the reader, you do not have agency because you cannot uh, or you're only seeing, you're forced to see this through the lens of this Simon. Yes. And you're right. And because uh, without any of the outside contacts, even though Simon is having his his interactions with them he, he, yeah. he the, the 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 story is structured in a way that also removes the reader's agency in being able to understand fully what's going on narratively which is a, an impressive feat hmm. it's it's a performance that's molding the reader's attention and yes. you're only allowed to see what is presented to you Right. Um, it's effective. Uh, and it, <laughs> it, it allows for a sense of world building with actually no real exposition aside from a few um, set pieces and what we're given to believe about Simon's dealings. Mm-hmm. We, we had some of that with um, the florist tale. Yes. Because those were dire entries and you also did not get uh, the other side of the story. Exactly. But but yeah. I feel like this is a refined version of that method. Yes. Like this is distilled down to you probably couldn't write this better than what's given to us here. Or if you I, could, I, that would be a very good feat. I, <laughs> I would be impressed right. highly. 
I think um, just on Ligotti's writing as a whole, the one that, given that these are written in the 80s, so there's some uh, circumstantial framing, you're kind of taking the idea the, the the settings and themes of these are no less relevant now like that doesn't change uh, right but i think the the generational influences may be heavier in these uh so it might not be as relatable in certain instances it's um an equivalent would be watching uh say death wish okay the, the original death wish and seeing that version of the world and trying to um or the warriors maybe the war it's something similar to that where there's a very specific time and place uh outside of how you know garish the costumes or other settings may be the actual world you're looking at is is representational of a time and place but if yes. you try to think of uh the bronx or any other part of new york as it is now it's not reflective of those times. Like it's, exactly, it's, you know what it is, but now you can't. Those things are gone. They're like a temporal mm-hmm. thing. They've faded. Um, that is sort of what you get when you're reading Ligotti. Yeah. There's there's things that work, and then other other things that have become non-existent. Like they right. just don't exist anymore in the form that they were when Ligotti was writing these. And part of that is his his use of dialogue is very specific and it doesn't always work in that frame. It's kind of like reading a period piece and trying to you, you have to update in your head what people are saying <laughs> because his dialogue is very specific. It's not it's not normal parlance. Our, our 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 childhoods have become period pieces. Oh they? yes, that's what that's what's happened. <laughs> I was I was, I was going, ignoring that facet of it. Okay, because <laughs> because because I immediately went to oh yeah you want you want like a snapshot of 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 the eighties as a time period that's Batman eighty nine that is it is yes. Yeah, <laughs> that is is is. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Fancy art party. Of course, the Joker would just gas it and ruin some art. People loved art in the eighties. Uh, mainly rich people who, who wanted to s- sell and trade monetary value for seemingly a good reason. So yeah, when you're talking about like how dated and how you kind of need to without the without the context of of the time period need to update it or have it transformed or twisted a little to to fit now, that's that's what I was thinking was mm. just Batman 89 because man, that's that is a that is a time capsule. And just like these stories. And that I also get the same kind of feeling. Like, um, if if you if uh listeners, if you if you uh, uh are are like us, you probably watch a lot of movies. Uh and if you watch watch a lot of movies from the 80s, you will um uh notice something very uh specific with a lot of the set design, which is everything is filthy. 
There is garbage everywhere. It is always rainy, wet, and filthy um, because the 80s were rainy, wet, and filthy. It's, it's, a, it's an aesthetic for the for the decade that is is kind of like a weird shorthand for the decade um and and it applies in this story too because simon simon starts his his adventure slumming because well that's where he'll he'll eventually find exactly what he's looking for Yes, which is a, a a lovely lady to participate in his chemistry experiment. Yep, and and one ostensibly that society will not miss if she goes missing. Exactly. Well, he—that's not entirely the case. He does intend for his victims uh, to be found. And, and and he he takes particular uh, joy in the thought that whoever happens upon these scenes he's crafted will be summarily shocked and amazed at the creation of what he's done. Yeah. So it's it's a multi layered um, motive. In yeah. what he's doing. His experiments uh, are intended to achieve a specific effect, even as he is um, perfecting the, the the wondrous drug that he is um, bestowing, peddling. Uh, it's, he's trying to achieve uh, one specific effect with the drug. Uh, but the side effects are not ones that he... Uh, dislikes like they're they're, right. they're also part uh, of the it's, it's a whole the 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 journey is just as important as the result right yeah there's an aspect that's performative about it like he wants his he wants his formula perfected but but the the failures big air quotes uh there um the 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 idea of of one discovering and puzzling over what he's done is also uh, 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 intriguing to him as well. And that's it's there's no, there's no bad end for, for Simon in this process. He, no, he, and yeah. he is pleased either way. Or it's not even either way. It's, it's all aspects of the thing that he's doing are, pleasant and uh useful he's making use of any result right there's no there's no issue and no grievance with what he's doing on his part which uh the the aspects of what he everything he's doing is abhorrent Um, yeah but the the cavalier attitude and um the methodology and his his uh his masquerade his performance is uh all designed to be intriguing this would make for a an excellent hammer horror film like yeah. it, it goes beyond some of the the 
conceits that exist within those, but I don't think it fits too far outside that mold. And mm-hmm. um, it, someone being able to portray this character and kind of just ham it up, it would it's all in line with that. And I think the sensibilities that because of that make this an attractive tale in as far as uh it being effective and it's a it's a villain that you're not rooting for but you're not against yes and and that's that's because he's in control of the narrative right he's framing himself you know it's chosen specifically to elicit the response that he's looking for in the people that find his um experiments he's just transfer he's putting us in that place unwittingly yeah yeah it that yeah that yeah it's 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 pretty fantastic and when you when you started talking about like oh a horror hammer film i was like you know what would be really kind of interesting like how about we get peter dinklage to play simon like that would be really interesting (laughs) that would be like a perfect casting Right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, it's it's a it, smarmy it's a charm of something you know you shouldn't be charmed by. Like right. you, you should you you should see this man and understand that it's wrong and he is not an existence that should be, but he's so personable that you can't help but be entranced by this performance. Exactly. And I and I think Dinklage could really bring that uh out yep <laughs> and he and he has done i mean he's played characters that are similar in temperament to this in the right past. exactly um, i would say his um his, this, you know what this fits in with it fits in with the sort of timeless but but era specific setting of like in bruges yes yes because it's it's, it's, it's almost a satirical take on a horrific situation yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah, it's it's gross. It's it it it, it, it yeah. It's 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 really interesting because like the deeper into in, into this story you get the, the you you kind of you kind of get that uh, I mean, you get pretty much immediately that Simon's not on the up and up. But even though he's he's in control of his own framing and the narrative, he's by the end of it, you realize he, you're gross and you feel kind of dirty for having found him personable throughout this narrative. Yeah, because he's not he's not hiding it. That's the. That's right. the issue is he's up front with like, I'm a shady dude and I will just tell you this little story of how shady I am. And he does it in such a way that you're just left in awe of his craftsmanship. Um, right. Yeah. And that and that's something that I didn't feel from the florist tale. Yes. Yes, like, the, like that. That's that's the that's the level of craftsmanship that went into this versus the diary entries we had on the other one. Um, those because they were snapshot entries and not a contiguous tale, uh, the effect was lessened. And yeah. 
um, I think it's also due to the the maturity level of the character. The mm-hmm. Simon has uh, an affectation. He's a higher class person. Right. Like, that is how he's presenting himself. Where the the florist was not so. He's just sort of a member of a weird cult of yeah. bot- botanists. Um, so uh, that, that's what it comes down to. One one is a botanist and then the other is a chemist. And they present themselves in that way. And you feel um, he's this is just a classier bad guy. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 Simon is, is very confident. There is, there, there is a a clear lack of confidence in, in our protagonist, big air quotes. Um, 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 sorry, I just forgot the story. Um, I I don't remember what it was called, so I I was going with Florist. It may have been that title. (laughs) Yeah, I think it is the Florist, but, um, um, that, that character is 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 indecisive he he and that's i think that's ultimately what brings his brings him to uh, him and his 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 lady fair uh uh times two uh in next uh it uh into conflict which is he wants this thing that he ultimately knows that he never he can't have by virtue of being associated with this cult and yet he keeps going out and attempting to find it whereas simon is is very aware very much aware and in control of what he wants and he, once again even if his his serum is it does not produce the result that he wants he has still achieved a, a form of his goal anyway yes yes uh, uh, and and for clarity uh, that tale would be le fleur there we go. The original one. That was, so we, sorry, listener. I it was a while ago. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're pulling from two months back. So <laughs> forgive us this small transgression. But uh, yeah. Um, surprisingly, there's a lot more. Well, it's not surprisingly. That's why we're, we're reading these. But there's <laughs> more going on with these tales and what they're doing and how they're presented to the reader that... Um, I I mean I I've personally read these a few times and it's a necessary thing to do not only because of the interest level but because of the detail um within how the stories are written and yes. why they're written and taking the time to analyze these are all very short these um this particular trilogy is maybe 20 pages it's it's handful of pages per per tale um they're not they're not um uh they're not physically dense but the meaning the themes and what they may in being impart and their intent uh, is what's harder to parse and takes more time to unravel um, yes or you can just read them because they're creepy yarns yep you know but but that's why we're here. We're looking into them a little deeper than uh, surface level. Yes. Oh, also, can 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 I just say something about the end of chemist? Um, did you question whether Amnesia: The Dark Descent 
took the poison wine concept maybe from this because man like that last sentence uh now rose of madness bloom um, immediately made me think of the creature designs yeah it uh and that's something that we brought up before with um the previous tales the influences on these are myriad i i believe that a lot of things have taken uh to heart the imagery that legati is able um is able to convey Mm -hmm. and it's imagery that is mm, so if we go with uh lovecraft as an, yes. as, an, as an easy go-to to, to reach. Uh, uh, many things are undescribable, or it's mm-hmm. pur- purple prose out the... Wazoo. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I, I was reaching for another turn of phrase, but the same intent. So, Lagadi <laughs> uh, doesn't do that. Uh, he takes care in conveying an image very simply, very few descriptors. Uh, and yes. leaves the reader to fill in the rest. So this is definitely a show-not-tell case, um, mm-hmm. primarily because he's not concerned with the um, visceral impact of horror. Um, it's it's all mental impact of horror, right. primarily. Because you know terrible things are happening, but he doesn't see the need to describe the 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 gore uh, right, that is assuredly occurring in a few of these cases, but yes. really, it's all about the mental impact, and in such a way where Lovecraft has a predilection with like crushing the mentality of protagonists or humans in general. These these cosmic horrors are so beyond. Uh, what you're able to parse that it just renders you insane. Uh, right. Lugani's things don't aim to do that. They they aim to leave you, yes, transformed in both a literal and figurative sense. But it's in such a way that, as we brought up before, it's, it's an unavoidable thing that's just going to happen. And, and the degree of it is the only variance. Uh, right, you d- you don't get that. Um, Lovecraft hasn't has a uh, a problem with this um, cosmic horror, this inevitability of the beyond as a crushing uh, force. That's it's out there and it's it's going to happen. But it is um, there's some agency left to humanity because it's kind of due to your own choices that you went too far or right. you, you mess with things you should not have. Um, with Legati, it's you were generally in the wrong place at the wrong time because the, it's not you messing with something. It's things electing to you. You've just been picked. Yeah, and, exactly. And it's going to happen to everybody or to multiple people. Uh, you were just unfortunate to get there first. Yeah. Yeah. So in in that sense these horrors are more real. Um they they're couched in in uh classism and that kind of thing. So that that doesn't that part of it doesn't uh that that still equals with some of the horror that Lovecraft 
traffic sin. Uh, right. But here, uh, it very, very particularly in this trilogy, the 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 horrors that occur uh, are not limited to class or station or gender. Uh, it's equal in its um, maleficence to like all. It's yes, ad, exactly. It's abhorrent to humanity. It's an, an anathema that you cannot stop. Um, you don't have a choice in your agency is removed. You can run, but it's probably too late anyway. Um, those ideas make these uh, intrinsically more interesting, but that much more disturbing by extension. Right. Fully agree. Let's see. Um, well, that'll that'll come. I'll, I have. I do have selections before we <laughs> wrap up this um, this single tale that we've <laughs> we've managed to stretch into more time than I was imagining was going to happen. That that's we, okay. We, we yeah, we like talking about this stuff because it's real fascinating. Also, the Rose of Madness also makes me think of the um, the uh, Mold Man from um, oh man, what was the Natalie Portman uh, movie? Uh, Annihilation. Yes. Uh, yeah, that, and then if you you can kind of it rem- also reminds me of the uh, the Demogorgon. Yeah, yeah, good call. Yes, yep. Just in. Flowery, alien, other. Um, here's the, the first quote I will pull. This is in reference to the lounge. Um, well, actually, it's not the lounge. Uh, they're, the chemist is taking um, uh, Rosemary home. Yes. Or to, to her, back to her place is the, I guess, what's happening. And they're just, dis- or he rather, is just discussing the. The city as it stands, this low quarter, and the the idea of transformation um, of the city and of meaning of the city, of how you view the city. Rosemary has she's lived here ostensibly all her life. This is the, her day, her, the, the bread and butter that she exists within, uh, right. and does not. Um, it's not that she doesn't hold an appreciation for it, because I don't think she does. Uh, it's that it's her everyday existence so it's been rendered banal it's just this it's just it's not a city it's just where she lives right there's no significance attached to it beyond um, the facade of what she sees Mm -hmm. and and that in turn becomes uh, sort of an apathy uh, he's remarking on the beauty of these. So this is again why um, it resembles the uh, the frolicker mm-hmm. because he's seeing more beyond the base facade of these like ramshackle buildings and rundown businesses uh, in, into this sort of beauty of despair and another dimension beyond what normally is is visible. Um. 
there's a particular quote, uh, and speaking of entertainment, I should cite that establishment whose owner, no doubt an epicure of musical comedy, gave it the title of Guys and Dolls Incorporated. What a genius of vulgarity, considering that his business, uh, that this business is devoted solely to the sale and repair of mannequins. Or is it really a front for a bordello of dummies? And <laughs> he's, he's sn- like slyly poking fun at occupations uh, while at the same time giving them more credit than I guess perhaps they're due mm-hmm. uh, in a way that he's basically just backhand complimenting every this this city yes you know in, in a way that's uh, you can appreciate and uh, he, the entire time he's basically making no small amount of slights at um, Rosemary's intelligence, her, uh, her, not her vocation. That's not a problem, but mm-hmm. her, her lackadaisical uh, attitude. Her, her. It's not even a cavalierness. Just the the drudgery that she goes through her daily life and doesn't, um, or maybe can't afford to take the time to look at her situation uh, more than just how she lives right so it's it's smarmy but um interesting to follow along with i guess yeah it's a lot of a lot of a lot of simon's dialogue and it's 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 also a thing that i noticed uh in the frolic which is it, it it seems like these these gentlemen came from an alternate dimension uh, uh, like a like like the dimension that the event horizon came from, and find our world like a fascinating novelty that they just kind of like look at and observe and every occasionally participate in in their own horrific way. But it, it they it feels it feels like an extra dimensional being like on a vacation. Yes, and they also feel like dandies. Yes, like dandy gentlemen, and yes, they. It's like if you, <laughs> instead of steampunk, made it cosmic punk or something. I don't know how no, to. No, don't create this. I don't just did. create this community, Dave. <laughs> we can't. Oh no! I'm the. I'm the. The. It's not even the founder. The prime uh, you, adherent. The, uh, you're the originator of. Oh God! <laughs> I knew it. I knew. I knew when I started doing a podcast with a uh, Doctor Robotnik lookalike that we would get into a situation like this. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Cosmic punk. It's here, folks. It's here to stay. Oh no! I want no. Po- <laughs> let's see i have another unless there's here. money to be made and then then yeah. i don't care we'll then to... i don't care it's time for etsy <laughs> <laughs> all right on to okay on to the next the next bit um i had a shorter oh, you... go ahead Oh, I was just I I I was just saying. Oh yes, we do. We, there are more quotes. There um, are more to, quotes. To, I pulled quite a few. Um, 
this one is uh, I, the quote I pulled was much smaller. However, it it comes to me that the entire paragraph um, is relevant. <laughs> so, this is a reflection on the chemist's past travels through the city. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm sitting in my car waiting for a red light to change. A derelict, drunk, or brain-diseased comes up to my defenseless vehicle and pounds on my windows with both fists, like so, and demands a cigarette. He touches his ragged lips with scissored fingers to convey his meaning, having left speech behind him long ago. A cigarette? I'm a chemist, good sir, not a tobacconist. The traffic signal changes and I drive on, watching the bum's half-collapsed form shrinking in my rearview mirror, and the quote I've actually pulled. But somehow, I've taken him on as a passenger, a ghostly shape sitting bleary-eyed beside me and raving about all kinds of senseless and fascinating things, the autobiography of confusion. And in little in a little while, I'm back on the lookout once more. This is... You can't get more Ligotti than what that just did. Yep. And it's... Totally agree. It's beautiful in its, in its horror of... What did I just read? <laughs> like, the it's the the potential memory of a derelict now having taken a ride in your car. It's um sort of the idea of a put, a potential of futures or of paths, and that uh, if you do choice A, this thing happens, choice B, this happens. But in this reality, these things all have happened or are going to happen, and they're all probably bad. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful. Like, it's, 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 yeah. it's a sentiment that distills the ideas of this, um, but still kind of dresses it up um, in, a, in a, a fun way. Yes. Fun, fun being the operative term. It's not. Right. Yeah, because it also feels like like this is a process that Simon has 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 partaken in numerous times in his in his search for for his flower. Um, So, you know, oh, that bum, that bum did got neither a cigarette nor a ride. But, you know, maybe when he passed this way before, like. Over the course of five months, he decided to pick up a homeless person and let them rant in his car before summarily kicking them out. He he, Simon is both interested in people and completely disinterested in people somehow simultaneously. Yes, and I um. Another way that I would view this, and I it, I just now thought of the connection, is this is very Lynchian as well. Yes. This is yes. an exchange, a dreamlike exchange that you would see in Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm particularly thinking of the, the David Bowie moment where they see him on the, um, the security monitor and then he's there, but wasn't right. ever actually there it's that it's that weird fugue kind of state that is disarming uh as much as it is um drawing you in like you can't help but like be in the moment 
even right. though it's something you probably don't want to be experiencing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Which, of course, is why I, I put that passage because I thought it was excellent. Uh, here is... Here's another one. Uh, we have uh, we had a earlier a, an encounter with um, a police officer that the chemist deftly sidestepped because it felt the chemist is also a bit of Gordon Gecko. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And he he basically um, paid off a police officer with a insider trading stock tip. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a it's a very interesting um it was an interesting conversation but i'm not actually pulling that that's just setting up for this this quote and it reads as thus you don't much like the policia do you rosa yes of course i can blame you without them or uh, yes uh, without them where would all of us outlaws be what would we have only a lawless paradise and paradise is a bore Violence without violation is only a noise heard by no one, and most horrend- and the most horrendous sound in the universe. Another distillation of Ligotti. Yep. Perhaps a more poignant one, but it's it's buried within um, a section of tale that you could otherwise like sort of skip over. Um, I, I caught it on the, the the back end, running back through this. Uh, just this this idea of lawless paradise and paradise is a bore. Um, that that is the pessimism of Ligotti, uh, to a T. Mm-hmm. And like the furthermore, this violence without violation is only a noise heard by no one. The most horrendous sound of the universe. This this keys into the need of Simon to commit his atrocities, but they hold no meaning in of themselves if there's no one there to witness the result of the thing. Exactly. That's where he derives his his paradise. His pleasure is within uh, destroying the world views of others through this acts of violation against unwilling participants. He he needs that agency in order to uh, uh, not really order to do anything. We don't have we don't have a goal. Um, it is the need of a uh, play director. He's he's yes. doing he's doing all the roles. He is right. he is the scriptwriter. He is the actors. He is the director. He is the stage. Um, he is the play. Right. And for a play to be uh, effective, it needs an audience. And, of course, that is us, the readers, and the uh, in-story viewers of the things that he's crafted. So this breaks the fourth wall without ever actually calling it into play. Right. It, it's it's all th- executed through through the writing and, and the perspective. Yes. Of, of the reader. Yes, Simon's committing a violence like on us as well as just the, the, his victims in the story. Right. Which is it's phenomenal. Like the, <laughs> we, we're, we're, I still feel we're underselling the writing on these. Mostly yes. because well, the most, most we're able to do is pull a few quotes. Um, 
Dave, it's because we want we want our our very very dear listeners to to read along with us because this oh, is Oh, of course. Like very, <laughs> we very need good you to read these because our literature. our <laughs> performance is hinging on your appreciation and following along and engagement of the thing or else our existence is called into question. Yeah. Or we'll just Legati it up and and like uh, like show up at your house and make you read it and then you explode. Um, not as once again we're not we're not we're not Smiths like Legati. So so I think all of all of our stories would end up end with and then the person explodes. <laughs> <laughs> the end. Uh, <laughs> here's uh, here's one other one. Actually, have a few more, but I think we'll maybe call it with this one. Uh, was it under such conditions that you first thought of all the cold and dark places in the universe, all the clammy basements and gloomy attics of creation, bleak locales you'd rather not think about, but at the time couldn't keep from your mind? Another time you could have. No, no two, two, no two times are the same. No two lives are alike. We're like aliens to one another. And when you're traveling through these streets with some stranger, you have to contend with how they see things, the way you now must deal with my 2020 vision, and I with your blasé nearsightedness. Are these the same gutted houses you saw last night, or even a second ago? Or are they like the flexing clouds that swirl above the chimneys and trees and then pass on? There's another remark, I believe, in this tale uh, regarding a river, and uh, you you cannot step into a river, the same river twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's dealing with um, some aspects of philosophy uh, mm. and, and transposing those over a reality that is immutable. Because at the heart of this, the chemist's creation uh, changes reality. Right. And not to... Not to his design, but to some cosmic outer elder chemist gods that are not they're 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 referenced as a set piece uh but his his goal um as far as we're able to tell is to to perfect the chemical that he's created and in such a way that he can fully uh master changing reality to his whim uh without the aid of the gods that he subscribes to right and which is yeah so it's not it's, it's, it's yeah it's, it's it's very fascinating and it's not um i don't read it as an effect to i want to become like as gods but it is a definitely like a power move it's a power play uh he, he he wants the world's stage to be his own yes but still needs to leave parts of it on so this is why his his i'm reading as his victims being singular um mm. because he still needs an audience and if you make everything uh, part of the play, you lose your viewers. Right. So he has to be selective in only moving so many pieces 
um, while still making sure that he gets the greatest uh, effect from those those deployed. Right. From his production. Yes. And I think that's yeah, it's well, really good. Yeah, it's it, really I mean, good. That, that pretty much wraps. There's there's a little bit more at the very end, and we we did hint at it with the final lines. But I uh, entreat you, listener, to to read this tale and kind of discover the the fun little details that Legati has put into the final few paragraphs. Because uh, it's it's taking too much from it if we just read it. Yes. Again. And I think that we'll we'll find that and have found that with the, the previous tales. It's um, they need to be experienced uh, firsthand, um, but the themes uh, are important to kind of dig into um, on the side. Agreed. So that brings us to the second tale, Leonard. If you would be so kind as to delve into the summary of that one a little more than I, I initially did. Uh, yes, uh, this is the, the as just mentioned, the second story, Drink to Me Only with Labyrinthine Eyes. Yes. This is a stage performance. It, it feels like, uh, this is a magician? The, a, a hypnotist. A mesmer. Yes, a mesmer. <sighs> It feels like it feels like a, a a man mesmerized either an angelic being or an eldritch abomination. Well, he clears up at the end exactly what he did. Um, but as as we go through the story, this is a um, we talked a little bit about uh, sort of class. Uh, it's not really warfare. This would be something of a class warfare yes because because. previously the transgressions were visited upon a um lady of the the night um yes lower classes this is very much a transgression upon the 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 rich the those very same painting loving 80s yuppies um (laughs) that we we talked about a little bit earlier yes um it is yes it is it is a story about um entertaining uh 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 once again uh because there's no video associated with this um big air quotes before i say this uh your betters um uh who clearly don't respect you uh who think that you're a a grifter and and um and when given the the uh vast powers of mesmerism uh, and the ability to um alter what people uh say, uh hear and see um allows one to visit um grave travesties upon upon people i i think that's probably the best summary of 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 this it is an uh of 
Ligotti's works that we've looked at thus far, the the transgression in question is probably, uh, well, it's going to be mentally scarring, but um, this is the least uh, malice intended by a protagonist. <laughs> like, like the thing that the thing that happens here is not. Um, I mean, it's not good, but it is not the life-altering, soul-crushing experience that you you get when encountering uh, otherworldly things in in previous tales. And the the protagonist has a he has a grudge against rich people. I'm guessing, uh, but a sense of responsibility and morality and a sense of um compassion uh toward certain things that is absent from uh say perhaps simon yes I mean, I mean, this is, I mean, the the thing this guy does is still pretty bad. It's more like a really evil practical joke. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. He's not, I mean, yeah, he's, he's, mental, he's mentally scarring people, but that's about the extent of it. Probably. It is a really evil practical joke. Yes. It's, this is, this is, this, this, mm, listener, uh, this it would um would probably fit in well with the dark edgy reboot of weekend at bernie's <laughs> <laughs> or uh you could an episode of tales from the dark side or or tales from the crypt <laughs> yeah. that, that's what this yeah. feels like yeah you're right you're that's actually a really good really good summation of it it this does feel like a tales from the uh, a horror anthology yeah tv series episode the the thing that happens here what we're dealing with is less reality shattering well i guess not (laughs) it still is it still is reality shattering but the the consequences of it are on a small scale right right so it's a thing that he's doing that is wrong to the fabric of reality yeah, yeah, but it's like a practical joke instead. Y- yeah, so it's far it's far less nefarious than altering someone's body and spirit. Y- uh, yeah, oh, yeah. So, yeah, sort of. Um, so basically, we'll, we'll we'll get down to it. He is a hypnotist necromancer. <laughs> yeah, he, he's hypnotizing corpses back to life, or a yeah. a corpse back to life masquerading it as a um a beautiful uh, uh assistant to his his um parlor tricks um, mm-hmm. and then just letting the decaying corpse uh have a little party with the, <laughs> the folks at the party um it's basically a bunch of a, a bunch of uh horny dudes dancing with a dead body without them aware of it right that's that's what this trick boils down to yeah it's 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 the real dark version of the mannequin episode of the twilight zone yeah (laughs) or the mannequin film yeah yeah or mannequin 2 on the move exactly 
We're, oh, we're, we're oh, bringing them back, folks. Your, we're bringing them. I played into your puppet game, Dave. I'm very <laughs> displeased. <laughs> yeah, it's that's um, how we it, do. Yeah, but yes, is is this? This gentleman doesn't get a name. This protagonist, I always, I he also, does, he does get a name. He gets a series of them, and they're all phenomenally ridiculous. No, on purpose. I don't. I don't think. I, I don't think. I. I don't think I pulled marked them. Yes, I. I. I apparently forgot. But yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a it's a bad time, and yes, it 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 it. There is. This is decidedly based in class warfare because you're 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 a mesmerist you're an entertainer you're you're the help you're the oh but you can also bring the dead back to you can hypnotize the dead back to life so uh and probably your party goers as well to to not is that you're, yeah, it's, it's a full it's a full control of people's perception like yeah exactly they they see smell hear taste what whatever he wants them to exactly his, his powers yeah. are his powers are great and he's using them for like really petty things it, right <laughs> well, which you know it, it, in well, the it, grand scheme it makes it, again an endearing bad guy yeah because because he's using this as a petty thing, it's actually like it's revoltingly charming. I don't know. You don't feel that he's malicious, aside from he doesn't like rich people, right? And 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 because he he'll he'll he's he's got it set up that he'll ruin your your morning, your post party morning with the doorbell ring. Yeah, and that's the yeah, that's the extent of it. Other than leaving a. Walking corpse, you know, party. Yeah, just that. Oh, it's, oh, it's was, just that. It's very minimal. That, <laughs> yeah. It, oh, is that all? I, it's it's something. It's it, I. It's it's a, it's an interesting indictment on 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 the the subject matter that we cover, Dave. That that leaving a, a, a reanimated corpse or a, desic- a, 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 a desiccating corpse in someone's home after a fancy party is like on the low scale. It's a it's like a three. On the top, on the list of ten bad, bad guy things for us. Yes, yes. Um, here, I, I, I pulled. We've, we've summed the story up. There's not. This is a short one. There's not much to it. Uh, yeah. We'll just go to some quotes here. Um, again, this is all narrated. Uh, first-hand experience. You're getting the point of view of the mesmer. Uh, with no agency on the part of the party members again, because he's literally just taking everything from them, um, mm-hmm. aside from aside from one one party member. Uh, here's the quote: "No, I wouldn't say business or profession. I would have to say calling. What else do you call it when you're destined from birth, marked by fate's stigmata?" At this point, they smile politely, saying they really enjoy the show. He's talking about that he has he was born with. <sighs> Not that stupid commercial. He was born with special eyes. <laughs> he looks. He looks with his special eyes. Um, he he has rainbow 
eyeballs, I guess, mm-hmm. is how it comes out. So people see his eyes and they ask him if he's using strange crystallized lenses under his eyes. Is he just wearing contacts? Are you wearing contacts, bro? Um, yeah. No, he's just got the fancy orbs in his head. And he has... He, so here's another point of it. He's a, he's a mesmer, but he was born with the full powers of a master hypnotist. He didn't he didn't train these powers. He didn't go to didn't order from the the mail order catalog the book of mesmerism. He just had it. Yeah. Which, which um not to completely go back to to the chemist, but that's also an aspect of Simon which is that he had a bachelor's degree at 12. He's just very precocious. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But there's always there's always seemingly this element of extraordinary to most of these these protagonists. Yes, versus um, like the the Lovecraftian um, protagonist who, while generally not villains, and except in the case of like Herbert West, they've they've gained their scholastic acumen through rigorous study and exactly phds they're in the middle of their life they're not generally young uh folks that have come in to or or were granted uh some super normal ability to commune with the gods aside from maybe they came from money right so that that's again uh not not an indictment of the characters, but something that differentiates them uh, in a way that they were born special to to do something to the world at their whim. Right, exactly. It's basically putting them in the place of uh, rich, pampered kids that are just playing around. And that's how you right. feel. I mean, they feel like they're other from another plane of existence just on a little vacay and uh, not having any kind of problem with uh, mucking around. Like, it's exactly. Not, it's not, they're not dirtying their own bathwater. They're just playing in somebody else's. Right. I have the ability to do this thing. Why should I let? Yeah. And it's that, I mean, that, that doesn't make it any less horrifying. It's actually, no, not worse. at all. Because right. they're just, it's crueler um, because it is kind, in, except in this case, it's sort of without malice. They're just doing it because they can, and it's horrifying outcomes uh, on a whim. And again, all of this is something that you could not, the, the people being mesmerized have no choice in the matter. They're just, they have been done unto Right, exactly. Uh, and, and in the same case with the corpse. So you can look at that um, uh, far. I mean, that's the transgression committed upon the dead is arguably worse than what has been committed upon the living. The, the dead have definitely had no choice in being resurrected. Um, they correct. are a puppet um, in control of the mesmer. Their, their free will is existent, but it's at such a small level that it doesn't matter. Right. Um, their, uh, the, 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 the corpse in question is only able to move. Uh, it's very limited 
um, yeah. capacity and th- that those things are called out um, within the story and acknowledged by the Mesmer to to something of a I guess a compassion like he doesn't outright say it I believe but his his wish for companionship is is greater than his ability to provide it right like he wants more from these corpses like this idea of re-establishing life in them uh it's um it's a facsimile like it's not good enough uh yeah it's just but that's not stopping him from uh playing around (laughs) yeah like his toys just just he wants them to be a little better but it's all he could afford so he's just gonna wing it right which once again feeds into into um uh, uh, the theme of okay i didn't get exactly get the result that i wanted but it's a result and i'm still happy with it yeah he's he's completely he's completely uh pleased with his um uh the the reveal at the end of this this party that uh he's basically saddled a bunch of hoity toity people with a gross decaying corpse. Yep. Ding dong ha ha, you got pranked. Yes. There's poo in the bag on your doorstep, and you all <laughs> stepped in it. <laughs> yep. That, that's oh, the level say, of what you've I, done. <laughs> yeah, did I say poo? I meant a and you all stepped in it. Yes. Um, except for the the young child that he that inadvertently awakes and um, stumbles into the party, uh, not having been mesmered, and is so kindly sent back to bed with a pat on the head and a uh, fancy silver pen as a a token of the night's events, with the proviso that the child will not remember any of the horrendous events and will not wake to the. Um, or will will wake eventually, just just not before the um, corpse has been probably done. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that cements uh, cements this this character as as pranky but not malicious. Which is, I, I listen. I don't want to actually scar this kid, and he comments that the child is bright and responsive, not fidgety. Um, and, 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 you know, easy to, easy to mesmer, um, which he, he implies is not normally the case with children. So I really do actually appreciate like him not being a complete and utter monster. That's like, oh yeah, guilt by association. You kid, you also get to experience this horrible corpse revelation. Yeah. He's not, um, his his anger is not directed at specifically uh, those born with a silver spoon in their mouth. His anger is at the silver spoon and the people that kept it there. Right. Like, because they grew up and probably should know better, um, their, their dalliances and their things that they do uh, are at that point of their own making rather than victims of circumstance as the child would have been. Exactly. Like just because you're born rich doesn't mean you're a jerk, but uh, anyone that's embraced that I have no truck with. 
or rather, right, I have truck with, and we're going to do something about it. Um, with this gross prank, <laughs> you know, his 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 level of things he probably could have done are far higher. I mean, he's fully able to mesmerize everybody there to such a high degree that uh, having them do things or, I mean, just the, the, the possibilities are endless of what he possibly could have done uh, with this powers of mesmerism. And instead, he's just making a gross statement. Yeah. 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 He's, basically, he's basically just like spray painting people's fur coats. Is the, yeah. is the yeah, level exactly. of maliciousness that he's um, subscribing to. Yep. Yeah, I don't think this um... one weird prank rich people hate. <laughs> it. Rich people hate it. Um, I did pull a few uh, quotes from here. So this is um, this is a bit of his thoughts because um, what he's doing in this in the narrative opposed, as opposed to how Simon narrative was constructed we get a better mindset of this protect we understand a little more why he's doing what he's doing mm-hmm. and it's not it's it's not strictly class based it's it's people's actions and their and their predilections and the things that interest them uh, are abhorrent to him Mm. even if he has to make use of those same things to use as like a weakness uh right so uh he hears him saying that the finale fell flat they don't understand they actually like all the mock death and bogus pain stuff better these are <laughs> what fascinate them bah double bah well frolic while you can you dullards the show isn't over yet so his his act that he performed with his his beautiful stage hand was um kind of contortionist act there's the someone's um been uh mesmerized and they can't feel pain because now he's jabbing her with needles yeah uh, he, he he's performing atrocities to to a degree um on her person that the audience is just eating up mm-hmm they're loving this stuff. And then his his grand finale is to show the audience that um, the, they are mistaken in the uh, identity of the assistant. She yes. is a being above them, an angel that he has captured from the, the heavens, a, a seraphim. Uh, yes. And he will show the audience her true resplendent form and they should be in awe of it. And through his mesmerism, uh, we get that sort of supernatural angel version where they're just a blinding, uh, ethereal light, uh, in, in a vague human shape. Yes. And surrounded by sequins. <laughs> surrounded by sequins. I mean, a very nice dress. Um, <laughs> the audience, they're just nonplussed. They don't yep. react. It's a golf clap matter um, to something that would have been supernatural. There literally is no way that she could have been like the the level of technology and things that are conveyed 
in this story aren't con- like they're they're consistent and they're not indicative of something that that would be a, a trick. Right. Like like exactly. this this by all rights should have been amazing. And right. he gets this just dull nothing reaction. It's like I've I've revealed the secrets of like the cosmos to you and mm-hmm. you want you just wanted like blood and violence. Nah, that's, but put her in that box though. Yeah, put her back <laughs> in the box, bro, you know. Just, yeah, just fold her up. Um that is what incenses him. Yes. That 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 disregard for life. Uh, and this and wondrous the, the, thing. And this wondrous thing that is beyond all and I'm showing you heaven and you just want hell. Well, and I've got that too for y'all. Right. And thus begins the let let the actual corpse wander around the party and dance with everybody and have drinks with people and all this interaction up close and personal. Right. And then we'll show you we'll show you the sights that you so wanted to see. The the thing that you craved uh has been here all along. Right. And you're gonna <laughs> love it. <laughs> it really makes me wonder if 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 there had been a more acceptable reaction to that aspect of of his act if 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 it's if it's a binary okay now i leave a rotting or i go on my way like ba- based on his character i think that if they had accepted his uh, angelic reveal he may have at least considered just being on his way yeah because that would have countered the expectations that he had of these people he'd formed an opinion <laughs> and formed a, a reason to do this in the first place um, based on that bias. Right. And having them not conform to it uh, would have been enough gratification for him to maybe take his leave and then, of course, he's going to do this somewhere else. But just based on how he treats that child uh, and the respect that he can still have for humanity... Um, it's mm-hmm. not missing. He just has a vehemence toward certain people. Right. And if they can prove to be not those people, then they're not earning of the ire that he has. Yeah. That's, and that's, that's a good bit of writing. <laughs> yeah. The, it, the, it, the, it's the, giving, it's giving us a potential choice. Yes. Or these people a potential choice. He's not utterly, um, aside from the, the, the grievous uh, mass um, mesmerization, uh, they had a way out, but by mm-hmm. nature or by virtue um, of their their social collective choices, uh, it's basically it's a foregone thing. He was just it's going to happen because they aren't the people that they could have been. They are what he assumed them to be. Right. So he did it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, yeah, I don't think I had any other. Did you have any, did you have any quotes pulled? Um, I did not. I, 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 but I did. I, I, once again, I really, 
I really love uh, Lugati's writing style, and I, I, you've mentioned it before, but but there's there's a, a certain charm to these generally unsavory characters who we are are forced to partner up with to to uh venture through these stories and that's a that's a testament to a writer that you can make make characters right. who are essentially rather awful people engaging enough that you don't stop reading yeah i have i had a few more but i'll just do this last one because i think it's it's the crux um of what's going on here uh here we go I am standing on the front porch now, between its tall columns and beneath a lamp hanging at the end of a long, brazen chain. I pause for a moment, savoring each voluptuous second. The serene constellations above wink knowingly, but not even those not even these eyes are deep enough to outgaze me, to deceive the deceiver, elude the illusionist. To tell the truth, I'm a very bad mesmeric subject, unable to be drawn in by hypnos heaven. For I know how easily one can be led past those shimmering gates, only to have a trap door spring open once you're inside. Then down you go. I would rather be the attendant loitering outside Mesmer's maze than its deluded victim bumbling about within. It is said that death is a great awakening, an emergence from the mystifications of life. <laughs> I have to laugh. Death is the consummation of mortality, and, to let out a big secret, only heightens mortal imperfections this is something that is a another um tenant to the the greater philosophy um that Lugati covers in, in his, his non-fiction book um the fact that this life is it's what there is there's mm -hmm. nothing beyond it and it's a pretty crappy um existence <laughs> it's, it's not there's there's nothing good everything is suffering the only thing that awaits is a bad end because once you're dead it's just highlighting the crap that you were in the first place <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh and that's the, that's the theme of this thing and why he's showing um these decadent people and their 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 ostensible craving for death and violence and destruction the things that um they're they're finding joy in the torment of and not coming to grips with their own mortality they're they're reveling in something that is uh at its core not a thing to be uh joyful over right and he's taken his power as a way to introduce them to that reality and show them that uh no matter how rich and powerful they are uh death comes to us all and it is horrendous and there's nothing beyond it so uh count your count your blessings while you have them and uh Pray that you do not become my next puppet. Right. And that, I think, wraps up tale number two. Yes. It's, it's, uh, 
highly uh, uplifting material. <laughs> and yeah, it's probably the most pleasant out of the three. Out of everything of, that we're oh, going yes. to talk about <laughs> of today. the three, the finality of death is the most pleasant thing that could happen to you. Is you just <laughs> you just stop existing and pray you don't become a puppet to an elder god. That probably doesn't exist anyway. So you're there's no hope for you. But um, on the bright side, you didn't become some sort of abomination. Yes. Some some disgusting plaything. Uh, yes, that brings us to the third and final story in the trilogy, Eye of the Lynx. Yes. And of course, we just it 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 not only bookends but mirrors um, the subject matter that we kind of deal with in the first one. Um, this one highlights a little more uh, the perversity inherent in the human condition. Um, it's mm -hmm. dealing, it's dealing with a, a, a bordello. Um, yeah. But it, I've pulled, again, I pulled quotes specific to the themes because it's not framing, um, hmm, it's difficult. Ligotti isn't showing, uh, the sex workers or this trade as a inherently bad or distasteful thing. Like there's a sort of respect, um, right. bundled into it. And it's more the derision of humanity itself. Like it doesn't really matter what you do. You could do what you want because right. it's all futile in the end. So yeah. that, because it's a great equalizer, it's a great leveling of the playing field. Uh, it is, uh, I can't, I can't say it's pleasant to read, but it's not, um, it's not looking down on anybody. Right. So you can, you can rest assured that <laughs> um, no matter your vocation, uh, your end is the same, uh, but it's not tr at the same time. It's not treating you're not reading this and going, oh, there's going to be horrible. Well, there's horrible violence done to people. <laughs> the bad, bad things happen because they don't have agency. Uh, right. But you don't feel that uh, people are being singled out because of what they're doing. It's. It's just going to happen to whomever. The story just happens to focus on a particular trades. Right, exactly. It, it, yes, it is not an indictment of the trade. It, it, it is simple happenstance. That is, that is, that is a, a theme that I, 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 I think we both get from, we've, uh, we've picked up on on this and have you know commented on many times which is it is it is all happenstance and and it is not necessarily commentary on on people like you know the taking like the 80 slasher formula like the the killer doing the killing was all, was seemingly a a commentary on the behavior of the team, and that's not an aspect of of Ligotti's work. No, you don't feel that these are 
it doesn't feel misogynist because yes. it's, it's it's really um misanthropic instead yes which exactly I mean, it's, it's not any better but if every no nope. everyone is horrendous then um that's easier to parse like it, it's harder to read themes where there's a there's a specific agenda um being committed against a specific group yeah but if you're just horrendously destroying everything um it's more acceptable it's a weird i i it's a weird um outlook i think it's easier it it, because then it becomes uh it's a force of nature as opposed to targeted attacks yes you're you're rendering things um numbers instead of not it's difficult because that's not the case you're actually still humanizing your destruction like in a in a very personal way so yes the it's we there's not really a way to describe it succinctly like i don't i don't know how to theme it other than yeah there's a there's a a misanthropy um running through these because it's incredibly pessimistic and that's just what you get with Ligotti. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, there, there is a there is a very specific he man has a very specific worldview that that he cannot help but highlight in in, in his work. Yeah. Well I mean humanity is anathema to itself. Existence <laughs> is wrong and uh everything would be better if nothing existed (laughs) if we're just going to distill it because that's that's what it will be as we will find out shortly when we cover an entire book dedicated (laughs) to that material and the the hows and whys um of it so yes uh eye of the links a are, are again our our protagonists we say protagonists they're generally terrible people um, yep is visiting a bourdois and yes. he has he has selected his uh his target uh, in the long line of goth ladies um specifically and we have we're, we're treated to a, a tour um of the uh potential pleasures of this of this house um mm. as, as it offers and they are they're rendered it's really weird they're rendered chaste through his lens because we're we're treated to this again um by a first person narrative and he has no um qualm no issues with the the acts of pleasure that are being performed here Right, like they're they're just par for the course. It's a thing that people do, and he's just he sees them as uh, less than they may be perceived by the people performing the acts. Mm-hmm. Like the, like the things that they're doing, they derive a pleasure from, and he acknowledges that. And then he basically just says that y'all are just playing like the baby games, and I know where it's really at. Right. 
So um, it's, it kind of gives a uh, Clive Barker Hellraiser I vibe. Was, I was about to say that it has a very vibe to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, it's it's this is Pinhead taking a walk in through a bordello and just going, mmm, quaint. Yeah, I yeah. see. Uh, I isn't see that your, cute? I see your cute little pledges of the flesh, but come and see mine. You know, yeah, that, yeah. Th- this is that. Uh, and again, because Legati doesn't focus on the viscera, you don't you you're you're getting a chaste view of of things. It's actually it, it it ends up making it seem cute and quaint. Like even though he's describing what are people are doing crazy stuff uh, by I guess general standards, but <laughs> it's being filtered through this lens where you're going, oh yeah, that's just a thing. You know, yeah, they're just all in bondage and gimp suits and playing games with straight razors or getting tied up and i, I you know what i'm just gonna pull the quotes because <laughs> that, that co- conveys it better than i can with just uh trying to surmise things um it is so so this is a view of the um his his chosen uh victim i guess um uh, she she he he has insight into people beyond like the pale he can somehow i guess he like is a dream walker it doesn't explain um mm-hmm. what he does but but that's good because the, in explaining it would kind of ruin it you're right. just you're just given a glimpse into what he potentially possesses as his his otherworldly power um he's speaking of of her dreams as he has somehow seen them. They told me of her life as she lived it in fantasy, a gothic tale of a baroness deprived of her title and inheritance by a big man with bushy eyebrows, which he sometimes sprinkled with glitter. By her impoverishment, the glitter-browed man who came out of the forest one spring while she was in retreat and a Carmelite nunnery intended to force her into his arms. But that was the high, or, but the highborn lady would not succumb, not until she was ready. And now she spends much of her time haunting second-hand shops, trying to reclaim her aristocratic, aristocratic accoutrements and various articles of her wardrobe, which were dispersed by her villainous suitor. Um, these sort of these gothic fantasy things that this um woman has daydreamed um into her into existence and wants to she's she's living vicariously through running this yes um, bordello um, right so these these fantasies that she wants to make reality can't happen and and she's aware of that in a like a depressing manner so she's just her fantasy f- thing has become the crushing day job or night job in her case but it's right it's it's it's, it's, the 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 banality of existence has visited itself upon her um in full and yes her her dreams are now made sad uh reminiscences of things that she wishes could happen but cannot it's um it's like a weird cinderella tale if you said it in a brothel yeah like yeah she's dreaming of her her gothic prince charming um in 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 a realistic way where it can't she knows it can't happen but she's just going through the motions as best she can to kind of get uh even some semblance of of 
that dream to 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 reality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a weird like. It's a fairy tale. This one is a fairy tale, and it has uh, the happiest ending you're gonna get from a Legati story. Uh, yeah, in a roundabout way. Yeah, I mean you're 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 literally getting the Clyde Barker happy ending. Like this guy is granting her desires. He's bringing them to fruition in the only natural way that it could happen to the extent that she's wanting. And it ends in, of course, her destruction. Right. Because it's Legati and that's just what's going to happen. Yeah, there's... Um, I'm trying to... So she has another... There's another aspect to her dream. This is another... A portion of the dream that he is relating to us um in in a it's a weird fashion because you're not told that it's specifically the dream that she has it's his at the time supposition of he, he's basically putting um a fantasy lens uh over uh, an actual person mm-hmm. is what we're sort of being led to believe um uh so she's she's wearing her she loves velvety capes and it's kind of all gothic attire and mm. uh, in, in in her dream just so is she attired when the glitter browed villain peers into apartment window cursing the casement in her dreams what can she do but shrink with terror soon she is only doll size in a dark doll's costume quivering bones and feverish blood are the stuffings of this doll its entrails tickled by fear's funeral plume it flies to the corner of the room and cringes with, uh, within enormous shadows, sometimes dreaming there throughout the night of carriage wheels rioting in a lavender mist or a purely fog, of nacreous fires twitching beyond the margins of country roads, of cliffs and stars. Then she awakes and pops a mint into her mouth from an unraveled roll on the nightstand, afterwards smoking half a cigarette before crawling out of the bed and grimacing in the light of late afternoon and with my added... Um, bit of she's come back to reality and her her dreams are not but dreams however they do hold that uh that heart of of legati where even in something that is that should otherwise be her her pleasurable desires um they're couched in like a, like a misery yeah like the things that she wants are not good for a person. Yes. They're actively damaging. Yes. She she is taking psychic damage from 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 her desires. From, from her own desires. So it's it's like a double sort of damnation um and and more so telling of the the fate of the world uh and, and this is kind of piggybacking off of what the the rich people in the previous story, the things that they wanted, their desires are inherently destructive. Mm-hmm. Not not for them, it's not to themselves. They are they are desirous of watching the the downtrodden and and reveling in the the suffering of lesser folk. 
is right. is what that is. This is a self destruction, the the a desire to um, be spiritually and physically kind of crushed, be controlled, um, but still maintaining a um, an air of self control, like it's it's a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, that she would willingly be making, um, and, and because it's a choice, she's not. Uh, she's she's acquiescing to something. There is um, there is consent involved uh, in her fantasies, uh, and something that's not generally present in how these things play out um, to other people. Right, like her, like she, she, she's a, she's desirous of something, in as much as she has um, agency to uh, enact that or to uh, uh, free herself um, should the need arise. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 kind of give herself this quest if she's gathering up her her um, her her costume, her the things that her libraries, the stuff that she's couched herself in um they may be taken away but she has the ability to get them back right and that's that's not (laughs) that's not the case for the victims of legati land right or herself um and for that matter because that's not what happens at the end of this she does she does not (laughs) uh acquiesce to like much of anything um however she's being she's being given um the things that she professes to have wanted right yeah 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 Yeah. it's 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 that um so this is a riff on the monkey's paw. Yep. It's a take on uh wishes being made to Jin. Yes. Like forces that will grant you a thing, but you're probably not going to like what you get because what you're getting is um beholden upon a a, a darker force that uh it's Maybe even not that it's um, antagonistic, but that its thought process and its understanding of what you're asking is so grossly different to what you think you're asking for. Right. Um, that it's that it's harmful to you um, in the end. Yes. I, I, I like personally going with the everything has its cost analogy. Um, yes. So no, nothing is free and the greater thing you're asking for has a larger cost right and again this is like part and parcel the the hellraiser theme of yeah you don't really know what you're asking for and the thing you get is probably far beyond um the what what you thought you wanted right it is it, it it is it is the distortion of of pleasure and want Yes. Um, here's another short, short passage. So this is uh, one of the one of the many rooms that they they tour in the bordello before before culminating uh, their the 
the, the act. Um, they pass by a room where there's a, a, a gentleman being dominated, I guess. That's just what's happening here. And he's being, it's, it's, a, it's a guy in like a jester's, he's wearing a jester's livery and it's being stepped mm -hmm. on by his queen. But uh, the, our, 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 our narrator um, doesn't, He's not dismissive of anyone's desires. Yes. So exactly. he's, a, he's, he's appreciating them for what they are. Um, however childlike he might deem the, the way that they're carrying it out. Like he's like, they're mm -hmm. not, they're not going far enough because maybe they can't. Right. Like they're, they're restrained by the laws of reality. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's all just a, it's a show like they can only act out their desires instead of fulfilling them is I think what it gets down to. Right. Um, I agree. And the, the, the interplay between the mistress and her, her dominated um, partner uh, on the surface looks like she's having all the fun and the, the other the participant is um is suffering mm -hmm. uh for his his what he thinks he wants um here's the the quote um His ringed eyes patiently gazed upward into the darkness, attentive to the hollow voice hurling abuse from on high. The voice was playing up the disparity between its proudly booted self and the humiliated freak upon the floor, contrasting its warrior's leaping delights with the fool's dragging sack of amusements. But couldn't the stooping hunchback's fun be beautiful too? His eyes whispered with their elliptical mouths. But couldn't? Silence. Now the little fool was going to get it. Um, th this this idea uh that they're sharing and what they're doing but it's still a performance mm -hmm. um, i think that that highlights it as, as best as it's any of these passages are kind of going to yeah i agree uh and then then it then it comes to the uh this the sort of denouement um and this is uh this is from the the our our narrator uh they've arrived at the, the appointed room in the bordello show me your worst i said eyeing the undersized door before us the situation here was as transparent as the others only this time it wasn't horses pathetic clowns or paranoid shadows it was in fact a wicked witch and her puppet slave the clumsy little creature had apparently behaved badly and been caught in the act now the witch was in the process of putting him back in line croaking about what puppets should and should not be doing with their free time. This is the true puppet majesty. I found a way to work it in. Gotcha. Yep. <laughs> but it uh, it it's showcasing um, how the the our, our main victim how she's perceiving what she does yes her, her her desires can only they can only be called to fruition in this kind of mockery of a play it's it's a farcical uh 
um, empowerment fantasy that doesn't hold a candle to what she truly wants because this is the limit of what she can bring uh, to reality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But she's also sort of, um, she's under the illusion that this is uh, the sort of the best way she can convey it. Uh, Yeah. That's not quite... uh, she has achieved what she wants because she doesn't realize that it's unachievable and she's kind of depressed about it. So she's coping doing this thing uh, and now just it it is for her um, the highest form of uh, uh, achieving her dream. Yeah, she she settled. She yeah, settled. She, she, she settled for like the second rate dream. And yeah. uh, it doesn't I don't think she realizes that she's settled because she's still in control of the situation. Right. In as much as she can be. And of course, we find uh, out that's that's assuredly oh, <laughs> not the case. Right. And that's yes, that's where our uh, protagonist, big air quotes, uh, comes in and says, surprise, there's there. There is, in fact, more can get exactly what you want but it it's bad bad end it is it is yes. it is a, it is a it is actually a visual novel bad end for this character it is and we get the <laughs> um the the big reveal the uh come with me uh to a land of imagination kind of scenario he is the large figure with the glittery eyebrows that's the worst like the glittering eyebrows i just can't <laughs> i can't take it seriously um yeah yeah well uh, you know what large figure <laughs> with glittery eyebrows it was for bowie it it did and the um what i'm trying i had an image in my head you know it's um i'm getting brian blessed oh that's yeah what yeah i feel from this guy like a baron Yes, and it's it's the it's the uh, Flash Gordon. Uh, yes, if he just didn't have the Hawk Hawkman features, but that yeah. that presence um, with the big bushy glittery eyebrows um, in in place of the wings. Mm-hmm. You know what? It's a good image. I think um, it's it's no less evocative, um, even if it is patently uh, ridiculous. <laughs> but but this wasn't my fantasy i didn't uh dream of this glittery gentleman so to each their own um i suppose yes but uh we get this is not hellraiser this is scrooged <laughs> okay. i was thinking more uh, uh i was thinking it this is more of a um slightly less mm, differently horrifying the thing it's scrooged when he when he he runs into death uh this spirit of the future in the elevator uh, yes it's 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 a figure of death who opens his robes and has all of the amalgamated yes thing like people just crammed into 
his belly with their arms yep. reaching out. We get that. Yep, he's in, a big in, old in, in in the weirdliest comical manner. Um, actually, how, as it as it turns out, so uh, cutting to the to the quick, um, he absorbs the lady into his body. So, yeah, into his being, it, into, it, into as, his heart. as as yeah, yeah. I was going to say like in the in the like uh uh a very expensive marble statue display case that is his heart where he keeps all of his uh his companions the the victims as as the news likes to call them um yeah it's it's kind of cronenbergian you get a yes. weird videodrome like this could have been a body horror but because it's the gaudy he omits the 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 yeah. violence of it and the like the the grossness that it could be and he it's kind of it's treating this as if it were a like a gothic vampire tale yeah yeah where this is this is the the, the smoldering um sexy vampire that seduces you and it's a good time for everybody and then you die but this is it's the smoldering sexy other world guy that seduces you and then absorbs you into his body to visit upon you also all manner of transgressions uh in his weird heart soul cage among the other people trapped there uh yeah and you only last for a little while before you drip away until next year or something it's it's very like weirdly phrased and the best part is while you're trapped there out of all the bad things that can happen this is the only one where there is a potential for you to have reversed the thing that happened were you strong enough of mind and body to just break free right because she she almost gets back out which, mm-hmm. is where, which is where we get the the weird display of uh, he's walking along outside of the bordello and just a lady's arm comes out of his chest trying to scrabble free. And we're, we juxtapose this with a <laughs> homeless man who wanders by, he's a drunkard, sees the arm and gives it a handshake. Yeah, yeah. On. So it's yeah. it's like absurdity in in its humor, the ultimate gallows humor. Um, could have ostensibly pulled her free were he not drunk and was aware. Probably would have. it's not even that. You probably would have had to have been some sort of not coherent person to pull an arm from someone's chest. Yes. Like, it's a situation that I don't think it's going to have happened to be a good thing. Uh, it doesn't really matter who encountered him. I don't think that's a reflex that anyone uh, lucid enough would have uh, done. So your best, her best chance was this drunken guy that just ultimately was too congenial for uh, either of their own good and just kind of gave her a handshake and kept going. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah so she's transmogrified into spirit cage person yeah it it it, 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 it inst- instead of a mind palace prison yeah it's the ultimate the body prison um yep here's here's the the um quote I should have just read this in the first place. Uh, now she was inside of me with all the others. The prized possession in my gallery of frail little dolls was souls given over to wild wind knights and sadistic villains. How I love to play with them. What a nice guy. Uh, back on the street, I paused to make sure she was securely incarcerated within me. In the early stages, here we go, There always there's always the possibility that a new internee will try to unzip me from the inside, so to speak, and break out the front gate. She did, in fact, make an attempt to free herself. It wasn't serious, though. A drunk I passed on the sidewalk saw an arm shoot out at him from underneath my shirt, projecting chest high at a perfect right angle to the rest of me. He staggered over, and with a jolly vigor, shook the hand reaching blindly between the bars of its cage. Then he proceeded on its way. It's it's comical, but it underscores, like, the utter horror of this situation. Yep. Like, in a very, was... very good way. Yes. It is, it is, if only, it is the last, it's the last chance, and if only. <laughs> yeah, it actually, it makes the situation worse, because there was a, it's a glimmer of hope through the bars of a cage. Yep. Um, quite literally. Uh, yep. And the, it's all the worse because it's just that, it's like an illusion. Simply because she didn't, uh, it's attributed to her that she didn't, like, she could have tried harder. Yeah. But doesn't, maybe doesn't know it. Or because, because of course, she just, who expects to be put into a weird body cage. Right. Or or, or either doesn't know it or uh, has, has stopped fighting it. Because, you know, we don't know what this process does to the... Uh, the mental faculties of of one in it, thankfully. <laughs> yeah, it draws all sort of questions because we don't. Um, this is is it her like an? It's not just a spirit body that was pulled in; it was her actual body. But the, so if there's victims of this, and and it's been a notarized thing, that wouldn't that just be missing persons cases rather than they found victims? That, that's so. That's what I read it as. But, like, victim of kidnapping, I guess that was, like, a phrase back in the 80s, actually. Yeah, it's, it seems like he he had to have left a traces of her body. And this, right. is, this is not a physical body within him, but a spirit body, which potentially could have just come back out and formed into a new body. So you just make, like, a weird doppelganger. I don't know. Um, that, that would be cool, I guess, visually. <laughs> Um, we don't know. We have to just conjecture at this point. But, uh, that, that wraps up the, the Nick Delops trilogy. Yes. And brings us quite aptly to the introduction for the conspiracy, uh, against the human race. Yes. Of horror. And our introduction of pessimism and paradox. The the introduction itself is um, it's not overly long. There's mm, six pages or so. 
Yes. Uh, it's basically an, a, a overview of what the philosophy um, in the book contains while still... Um, Ligotti plays his cards kind of close to his chest and just a lot of teasers, um, basically stating that there's a there's a specific um, set of writings that he's built a thesis upon. Mm-hmm. Um, but we only need to know that it, the writings exist at this point, and he will eventually reveal his his cards um, later on. Uh, still. The introduction is at heart. At its heart, the the thesis is being put forth um, from the work. We just don't get the A to Z um, how he's arrived at it at quite yet, right? Because that's what the book's for. That's what the book's for. This entire book uh, <laughs> devoted to explaining it, which is good. Um, his first his first uh, discussion is on a philosopher, a German philosopher by the name of Julius Bonson. Uh, and the, the the central conceit of uh, Bunsen's philosophy was man is a self-conscious nothing. Yep, and it uh, it's it's that misanthropy um, kind of inherent in the, what Lugati draws from. It's the, some sort of the beginning of that, and it is um, it is prefaced with the idea that that Ligotti acknowledges um how these this because it's, it's pessimism but it's pessimism at its strongest yes and how that is received um socially which i think is a very integral part of this book uh and it's it's a good acknowledgement because Ligotti understands that these views uh, for one, are are quite held in the minority, and for two, are not. Um, they're not socially acceptable by yes. the general populace because, at their core, they're against the existence of everything of humanity. Yep. Of the human yes. Um, and he he has a um, a sort of motto that he's quoting saying if you can't say something positive about humanity then say something equivocal so if you're not gonna (laughs) you don't it's basically don't say anything bad just acknowledge that humanity is fine um and while there may be problems it's on the whole it's a we yeah we deal deal with them you know they're things can be overcome uh well that that's even that's too positive um things And uh, just don't worry about it, right? That's that's I guess the best way to do that without sounding like uh, optimistic. Yeah, I mean he has better. We'll, we'll we'll find through the course of this that there's better versions of that. I'm just summarizing. Um, and this uh, here we'll just we'll just go with these. Uh, so Bonson declared that appearances to the contrary, all reality is the expression of a unified, unchanging force, a cosmic movement that various philosophers have characterized in various ways, of course. Um, additionally, the universe, uh, the universe, according to Bonson, has never had a hint of design or direction. From the beginning, it was a play with no plot, 
and no players that were anything more than the portions of a master drive of purposeless self-mutilation. In Bonson's philosophy, everything is engaged in a disordered fantasia of carnage. Uh, there's more to the quote, but those things are evidenced in the last few stories we covered, like specifically. Yes. So this is, uh, and then this whole book will be, uh, it's a, a, it's a masterwork look or a master overview is what I wanted, uh, to the things that Ligotti writes in fiction, uh, his points of view on reality are part and parcel of the fiction that he crafts it's that's not something i feel you find in a lot of other uh fiction authors at mm. least not not to a point where they they outright subscribe to the things to to believing in the things and outlooks that they um are presenting as uh, fiction to to their readers yes when legati writes his fictions you're getting legati at face value yeah exactly yeah it it's 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 a it's a thin veneer i mm. would say between he's, yeah he's he's couching his philosophy in a arguably more palatable form exactly in in a socially acceptable mm. <laughs> yes like to a degree i think these books i mean they're not for everybody so there's right. an acceptability because it's fiction to understand that you're you're maybe you're making a contract i think between the reader and the, the writer that what you're reading is for entertainment because simply because it's a fictional work exactly um, but understanding that the guy is putting his own personal philosophies into practice in in these works um visiting upon his characters i mean he's using that fiction to exercise the um the the, the thoughts Yes. Um it's it's a socially acceptable way to display what otherwise would be an unpalatable um uh, worldview. Yep. To to basically quote what he's done or what he's talking about with um uh Bonson. Uh the quote goes on everything tears away at everything else forever. Yet all this commotion and nothingness goes unnoticed by nearly everything involved in it. In the world of nature, as an instance, no, n nothing knows of its embroilment in a festival of massacres. Only Bonson's self-conscious nothing can know what is going on and be shaken by the tremors of chaos at feast. The, the, the prose in this non-fiction work is... Ligotti, I think, at his kind of at his finest mm -hmm. he's put a lot of effort in making these uh other i mean they're these are difficult concepts they're, they, they take a lot of parsing to get through but this is not a um it's very readable yeah like it's i not don't so feel that it's talking down to anyone it's it's mm -hmm. explaining thoughts fairly concisely i mean as concisely as you're going to get while still kind of um, flowering up the language so it is not dry. That that's what right. this comes down to. It's not a dry uh, philosophy or philosophical work, right? Because, because once again, it is it is difficult subject matter. So it 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 has to have uh, have a bit of uh, affability to it. It has to it has to be an entity that one wants to engage with. 
And yes, and, uh, otherwise you would just not you would just stop reading it. Right. It's even if you found the material agreeable, if it's dry, you're it's going to be a slog, and you're just going to go, okay, well, there's something important here that I I understand, but I can't agree with how it's being presented. Where this exactly. is the material may be questionable, but I can agree with how it's presented. Right. Let's see what um what else we have. This is uh another philosopher um. Chesterton, this is a British author and Christian apologist. Um, G.K. Chesterton? The the very same. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And this this is where the um, contrivance of horror uh, comes from. The present contrivance of horror has been anchored in the thesis of a philosopher who has disquieting thoughts about what it's like to be a member of the human race. But uh, too much should not be telegraphed into this prelude, of course, because he's going to go on and talk about that a little bit more. Um, But here we go. For the time being, it need only be said that the philosopher in question has made much of human existence as a tragedy that need not have been were it not for the intervention in our lives of a single calamitous event. Here is the thesis of Bugatti's book, uh, The Evolution of Consciousness, Parent of All Horrors. Uh, It is not life itself or humans in general that are the horror. They are not the source of all our collective malaise. It is consciousness. The fact that we're aware of bad things of our own mortality of the futility of life uh that is the true problem and if that were to have not developed or not to exist then everything would be more or less copacetic yep but that's not the case because we are all conscious beings to a degree or another and are fully aware of our own fallibilities the things that we do or are done upon us uh and at the end of the day uh are ultimately while we're responsible for our actions our fates are something that we have no control over and are just going to happen to us anyway so why have to deal with it if you if you have an option to not do so Right. Is the, the crux of the, this, this book. Yep. Make sure you get your celestial seasoning, candy cane lane ready for these exactly. episodes. Because yeah. we, are, we are, of course, doing, we're going over the whole book. So it'll, it'll take us a bit. Um, another quote in the literature of supernatural horror. So this is, this is relevant to what we're doing. A familiar storyline is that a character who, uh, is that of a character who encounters a paradox in the flesh, so to speak, and must face down or collapse in horror before this ontological perversion, something which should not be. And yet is most fabled of these specimens of living, living paradox are the undead. It goes on to talk about revenants, zombies, yep. that sort of thing, ghosts, uh, and in a specific case, um, other examples of this paradox and supernatural horror congealing together are inanimate, inanimate things guilty of infractions against their nature. Perhaps <laughs> the most outstanding instance of this phenomenon is a puppet. 
that breaks free of its strings and becomes self-mobilized. We're, we're talking puppets 24-7 because that is the other central conceit of these, these themes is uh, humanity um, at its core uh, potentially being the being puppets uh, with or without their strings cut, um, not uh, agents of their own free will, um, uh, either spontaneously existing or having been created by some some god or some other, uh, and right. one that has uh, in all potentiality long been gone from the play, as it were. Mm-hmm. And the potential for the world actually being basically, not the world, but the everything uh, being a sort of uh, not a not a joke per se, but a uh, a disillusion of the of what is being created for. So if if the this hypothetical creator uh, had created everything because it was bored and then died uh, in the middle of making what it was doing, everything is rudderless. There's no meaning to it all because it was just made on a whim uh, and now is just forever floating in the void, uh, couched in its own misery and uh, detrius of this of this dead creator. Yep, that's the other... Uh, potential idea and uh, sort of creation myth um, that we're sort of working with and goes just as far in explaining some of the the, the cosmic cosmology in in a lot of Ligotti's writings. Yes. So the hopelessness of despair born out of a rudderless existence and the only constant note, which is, not a positive is um suffering so a lot of these views are uh they're they're tangential to existing um world views we look at buddhism uh, nihilism um mm-hmm. these things in Ligotti's opinion and he'll go on to explain it in full are uh they're 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 valid ideas like the the core concept of what they're talking about is a thing that he agree can agree with, but they don't go far enough in his right. opinion. So everything taken to its extreme is a more logical conclusion than sort of half measures that people are, are have put forth because uh, all of these um, uh, th- uh theologies all, all and that's not, they're not all theologies all of these um, philosophies these belief systems that um, people have created uh, as coping mechanisms at their core provide a generally a positive outcome or a way to make things positive yes like like while um entropy may be at the heart of of uh, the belief there's ways to mitigate the daily grind in order to facilitate uh, a more or less um, positive existence yes it's 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 a means to make one's existence palatable yes and that is 
uh, anathema to the to the core of his philosophy, the idea that consciousness is the one evil thing that if if it wasn't there, people could just exist uh, blindly in their suffering like uh, an animal. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, they they basically just forget. And it, it's something bad could happen and you could potentially learn from it. But in this state, that wouldn't be the uh, the status quo. Right. Uh, bad, bad things would happen, but they just would pass and then they'd happen again and they'd hold no meaning for you because you're not learning from them and then you just eventually die. Right. Yes. Whereas we as conscious beings are are formed of and by and through suffering and made unhappy as a result. So no matter how positive you may get or how good it may be, uh, you're going to suffer again. It's going to repeat, and because we're aware of it, you it becomes worse. Right. Yes. Yes, the 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 curse of 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 understanding. No, yes, of knowing. Yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah, we we all grabbed the first flame and got uh got uh Witch of Isolith real bad. Yes. Uh, and then here's a the I guess a more specific quote. Um, a puppet possessed of life would exemplify just such a horror because it would negate all conceptions of a natural um, physicalism and affirm a metaphysics of chaos and nightmare. It would still be a puppet, but it would be a puppet with a mind and a will, a human puppet, a paradox more disruptive of sanity than the undead. But that is not how they would see it. Human puppets could not conceive of themselves as being puppets at all. Not when they are fixed with the consciousness that excites in them the unshakable sense of being singled out from all other objects in creation. Once you begin to feel you are making a go of it on your own, that you are making moves and thinking thoughts which seem to have originated within you, it is not possible for you to believe you are anything but your own master. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's, yeah. Doesn't that make you happy? I mean, it, 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 it's, it's, this is, this is the, the, mm, I will put it to, I'll put it like this. These are concepts that I am not unfamiliar with and that I have explored in my free time previously in my life. So, um, <laughs> the, 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 uh, letting the cat out of the bag of, oh yes, I, I am, I am familiar with a lot of these thought exercises and no it doesn't make you happy but it sure helps you cope <laughs> but leonard why else would we be talking about these things <laughs> if that were not the case um yes i agree with the concepts being put forth here as uh valid ideas Yes. Subscribing them to is another thing. And, oh, and, and 100%. Not, not, um, not something that needs to be fully explored uh, within the realm of the podcast, but as much as as much acknowledged um, as it can be, like 
my agreement on Ligotti's philosophy is a step beyond just appreciating uh, what he's putting forth as solid ideas. If that, right. If that yes. makes sense. Without, yeah, I, without I, me diving too deep into uh, personal construct of my own um, psyche, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I got you, fam. It's more more for the listeners, I think, than uh, just a, it's a dis- disclaimer. <laughs> no, uh, I should. I also forth. I also wanted to let the listeners know that I was on sort of on the same page as you two. <laughs> so, well, don't worry. I think that was communicated quite well. Um, <laughs> and uh, if if this helps any, which I don't think is the case, the last quote I've pulled up from this segment: When puppets are done with their play, they go back in their boxes. They do not sit in a chair, reading a book, their eyes rolling like marbles over its words. They are only objects, like a corpse in a casket. If they ever came to life, our world would be a paradox and a horror in which everything was uncertain, including whether or not we were just human puppets. So, no matter how much we might protest, how much one might protest that I am not a puppet, there exists that very possibility that we are puppets thinking we have a mind of our own with no strings visibly attached quite comforting dear listener. yep also listeners if you are interested in in a mm, slightly brighter uh uh poppier happier more australian infused discussion of of puppets and and the existence of living puppets, uh, we should reference the uh, un- the Unico double feature episode of Monster Dear Monster, featuring uh, Unico in the Island of Magic, which features one of the best um, puppets. Well, it's an ex- the best example of this idea, really. <laughs> it is, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And an excellent uh, vocal performance of the, uh, the both, I think, the dub and the, the original yes. Japanese language version of the puppet in question. It was a good episode and very much more lighthearted than what we've uh, covered today. Um, speaking of, I guess, coverage, I think that this wraps us up. We have gone to about average no we've gone over our average time by a margin um <laughs> yep <laughs> by a small margin only covering three short stories what was the problem uh yes we've covered them at length and introduced to you the first bit of the the theses of Bugatti's work uh and we will continue to delve into the the further chapters of which there are many uh, uh using roughly the same format um, we'll, we'll, yes, uh, we'll play it by ear and see how it goes. But uh, that is it for this episode. We leave you to your peace and to find something uh, out there which may assuage your puppet-like feelings and help you enjoy the day a little more. Uh, yes. Well, we we've enjoyed covering this um, as much as the subject matter uh, is as dour uh, as it is. I think it's something that is beneficial to address and we will continue to do so uh, and also bid you adieu 
uh, once our bit of administration uh, finishes up. So without without further ado on that, Leonard, where can folks find you on the interwebs? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at Dr. Faust is dead. People can also find me on YouTube, uh, maybe for, oh, what's the date? Like, like maybe possibly for three more days, given the uh, changes in the terms of service. Uh, but you can find me uh, uh, for now uh, at uh, by searching Dr. Faust is dead on YouTube. Uh, and, and, and Dave, where can people find you on the internet? Yes, they can find me on Twitter at sentinel underscore plus. Join me for more arousing discussions of uplifting topics and films and all that manner of thing. I'm actually generally pretty positive uh, on the Twitter feed, so do not worry over on that count. Um, yeah, so I'm generally depressing the... things stay here. <laughs> yeah, created I'm generally a space. the more the more adversarial member of the of the monster dear monster on Twitter. Yes, yes, and our our good our good boy Cameron, um, who's been insulated from this these topics. Uh, yep. Hashtag protect Cameron. You can hashtag be found on Cameron. Twitter at at night underscore twitten. That's night without a K. And follow him. It's good stuff. He loves everybody. He's a jolly fellow and posts cat pictures and all kinds of fun things. So, uh, yeah, uh, check out our, our various Twitters. We would uh, love to get more reviews on the podcast. That would be excellent. If you need to check out back episodes uh, of the podcast, they can be found through iTunes or your podcatcher of choice and also on the website monsterdeer.monster I still like that domain name um, we will catch you next time for I don't know what we <laughs> it's a mystery it'll be a surprise uh, on the main episode we have wrapped up the last of the dark crystal episodes so we will be moving on to non puppet waters is probably the plan <laughs> you'll get your puppet goodness here with the guy yeah. stuff yeah We'll forever. be covering the Pirates of Puppet Water next. Um, yes, there's many monkey birds in the future. <laughs> All right, folks. We will catch you later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.